Luke chapter 1. You know, I love to come to church and feel like I've been in church. I had a man say to me several years ago, he said, you know, I just want to go to a church that resembles what church is all about. Some of you didn't get that. I just want to go to a gospel church. Amen. I want to go to a spirit-filled church. I want to go where the presence of God is. Some people are looking for a church full of perfect people. Well, I can tell you, that church isn't here upon this earth. It's called heaven. So just get in here with the rest of the body and let us all be refined and sanctified together. Amen. We build up and make up this church one joint by joint, one ligament by ligament, one bone by bone. Everybody's not the big toe, everybody's not the nose or the ear or the mouth or the eyes or the, you know, but, or the arm or the hand, but we're all part of this body. And thank God we all play our part and we do what we're supposed to do. And some of you are learning where you fit, amen. You're finding out where you fit. And that's an awesome thing, praise God. But uh, this morning, I want to preach for a little bit here out of Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 9. Would you pray with me over the word and then we'll get right into this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time and the word. And I just pray that you will equip me this morning, anoint me this morning with fresh oil from above. God, you've already been here, Lord. Your presence has been here. Your spirit is here. God, during worship and during everything, during offering, Lord, that's the way it's supposed to be. There's not supposed to be a dip, Father God, or a decline in the spirit, but let it just continue to ascend, God. We thank you, Lord, and pray your blessing over the word. Let it sink down deep and bring faith this morning and help me to preach what's important, God. Not everything that may be on my outline, but God, let me preach and say what's important. And we give you the glory and honor. Thank you for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you know what? I bind the enemy that would try to rob anybody from receiving the word of God this morning. Amen. It says here in Luke chapter 1 verse 9, according to the custom, I'm sorry, let me go back up to 5 here, verse 5. It says, and there was in the days of Herod the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. This is almost like we have ushers that are on the schedule. And they say, am I on the schedule this week? No, it's not my turn to be an usher. But maybe next week or the week after that. That was how Zacharias was. He had a specific time when he was supposed to go and burn the incense. And the Bible says, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall, be, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Amen. 
man, thou shalt call his name John. And I just, this just hit me right now. But you know, there's times when God has heard our prayer, he's already begun to answer. And we're the ones that are very doubtful that he's going to do what we've prayed and asked him to do. Well, we're going to get into that in just a minute. But, and the Bible says, and thou shalt have joy. Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord." And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? Or how is this going to be? How shall this be? I am old, an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. Now we know that the people waited and he came out and he couldn't talk and he couldn't speak. But in verse 24, the Bible says that after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months and she said thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men how many knows that your prayer life affects other people your prayer life affects your wives husbands wives your prayer life affects your husbands children let me tell you your mom and dad's prayers affect you they affect you. I can tell you they affect you. You have no idea sometimes what mom and dad are praying in that prayer closet, but you're at the place you're at today if you've got to pray in mom and dad. You're there because they prayed and they sought the face of God. Everybody is here because somebody sought the face of God in an altar. But the Bible says in verse 57, And now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son, and her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her and they rejoiced with her and it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father and his mother answered and said not so but he shall be called John and they said unto her there is none of thy kindred that is called by his name and they made signs to his father how he would have him called and he asked for a writing table and wrote saying his name is John and they marveled all and his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spoke and praised God and fear came on all that dwelt around about them and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea and all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts saying what manner of child shall this be and the hand of the Lord was with him and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied did you hear that he prophesied saying blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Amen. 
I want to preach for a little bit here this morning the power of an altar. The power of an altar. The power of an altar. I can tell you, you can go through things in your life and you see people in church and people that are born again. And, and, and it may seem like that everything's fallen apart. But you can know that those people that go to an old-fashioned altar and cry out to God are going to see the God of heaven begin to rend the heavens for them. Open up the windows of heaven. Open up the door that no man can shut. That altar is a place where there's a key that unlocks the door to the promises and the manifestation of God's power and authority in and upon your lives. And if you and I today would just get this, I want you to hear me. If you're a student of the Bible, you'll notice a common thread, and it is throughout that Bible an altar. Let me give you some historical men that and women that, that prayed at an altar and made an altar. Abel made an altar. D- uh, no Noah, the, the one that built the great ark in Genesis 4, 3 and 4 made an altar unto God. Abraham made an altar and called on the name of the Lord in Genesis chapter 12 verse 8. Moses built an altar and at his altar he said the Lord is my banner in Genesis I'm sorry in Exodus 17 14 through 16 Jacob built an altar in Genesis 35 verse 7 and he called it Bethel. He had met with God at one place but he didn't realize the power of an altar until years later whenever God met him again and he met him there at that place. Solomon, I'm sorry David rather, built an altar in, in 2 Samuel 24, 25 and numerous times made sacrifices unto the Lord. Solomon sacrificed on an altar. In fact Solomon had the biggest uh, sacrifice of thousands of oxen and he was just, they were just sacrificing them. And can you imagine the, the amount of blood? But you wonder why the Shekinah glory fell in that place, in that temple, because of the sacrifice that was made and the detail and obedience that was given to that temple. The, the, the God of glory will come and meet his people whenever they meet the conditions, whenever they come before him with a sacrifice. The outpouring of God will be equal to what you have sacrificed in your life. Are you hearing me? I have found in every area in prayer, in giving, in loving, in ministry, whatever you give yourself to at an altar, God will begin to respond and it will be greater than you ever imagined or sacrificed. But we see here Elijah in 1 Kings 18 built an altar. We know that very familiar story where the Lord answered by fire and the prophets of Baal were thrown over over that, 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 that hillside there. We've been there in Israel where that's at. So altars are very important. They're a place of sacrifice, a place of divine connection, a place of worship, and a place of petition. And everything is accomplished, determined at the altar. There are things that are determined that not a devil in hell can change. Covenants were made at the altar. In fact, Jesus made the final altar on an old rugged cross when he laid down his life. And the sacrifice was was nailed with cords and bound with cords in a sense. He was the greatest of sacrifices. 
on a hill far away on an old rugged cross. And we read the, 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 we read the manifestation of that, or I should say not manifestation, but we read the outcome of that and what it is to us is a promise. In Hebrews 13.10, the writer said, We have an altar that those who continue... And I'm paraphrasing here, but this is what it means. He said, We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. What he is saying is we have an altar that those who continue in Judaism, animal sacrifice, have no right to eat. You're either going to serve Jesus and accept him as the sacrifice, or everything else is other than what Jesus did. Whether it's Judaism, or whether it's works, or whether it's some false teaching, or some false work that you've got to do. You're either going to trust God and what Jesus, the sacrifice that Jesus gave, and who he was on an old rugged cross or you're going to have to go some other way but that's not the way of life that's the way of death Jesus is the way of life amen there's only one way we preach it all the time but I was reading this we have an altar there's something awesome about the Christian that puts their faith in God in an all in a God who said you have an altar you can come unto me you put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the old rugged cross our altar is an altar of grace it says it in verse 9 and has its power in the final sacrifice that once and for all the once and for all sacrifice in verse 15 he said whereby we offer the sacrifice of praise whereby we come boldly before his throne of grace and bring petition in other words Jesus paid for it so all you and I have to do is come to him in faith and offer Offer up the sacrifice of praise. Come before the throne of God and bring that prayerful petition. We have that great access to God. Aren't you thankful today? We didn't have to come in here with a lamb. Come in here with some sacrifice and shed its blood. But yet it not be efficacious and it not be long term or eternal. But Jesus made the eternal sacrifice so we can come and just enter into worship and worship him who gave gave his life as a sacrifice. He said, whereby? I'm telling you, that's why people shouldn't, and church and worship leaders, shouldn't make songs that appeal to the hearer. They should make songs that appeal to the one that gave his life. Because only therein does somebody come when they're born again and worship. I never praised and worshiped God when I was a sinner. I didn't want to hear gospel songs. I didn't want to hear that. I wanted to hear my beat. I wanted to hear my jam. And it may not have been a, it may have been a country jam, but it was a jam. But I've come to tell you, when I come to Jesus, I'm singing Jesus songs. I'm singing about my Savior. That's what rings my bell. Amen. No more he stopped loving her today. No more eating crackers in my bed anymore. No more of that. Just Jesus. Oh, I'm so thankful. He said, whereby we have this voice of praise, this praise that comes from our life. He was I don't like to praise God. That's because you're not right with God. Everybody in here that's not right with God doesn't praise God. Oh, pastor, you're judgmental. No, I'm telling the truth. 
Because when you're right with God, I'm telling you, you're like the rest of them. You want to get up there and you want to praise God. And you may be more reserved and sit in your seat. I'm not saying because you don't jump and shout like Roger or Tom or some of these others that were down here. But you've got to know if you're sitting back there and you're worshiping God, you're praising God. But if you're sitting there like a stoic stone, you need Jesus. Amen. Praise God this morning. Using Zacharias as our example, my hope is to stir a faith and a reverence and a respect for the altar. Because I'm talking about the power of the altar. Now listen to me because there have been people that have taken words that I've said Take that Zyrtec D and it means dehydration. So I got to hydrate. But using Zacharias, Zacharias as our example, my hope is to stir a faith and reverence and respect for an altar. God respects our free will. In essence, there is a law of free will if you will. Everybody has a free will in here, and God respects that. But He also makes it very known to you that you are responsible for the consequences. That doesn't mean that you should choose not to serve God. It says that I'd rather you be hot or cold. Amen. And I've said from the pulpit, yeah, God respects you as cold, but He doesn't want you to be cold. That's not a good end for you. In fact, that's a horrific, hellish, eternally destroyed end for you. That's why we need to be hot. Why we need to be on fire. And this altar will create that fire in you. It will stir that Holy Ghost fire in you. But God respects our free will. But we must respect the reality of an eternal God. Yes. The God of heaven met with Zacchaeus at an altar he met with him there and God stopped everything to meet him at that altar think about it he stopped everything to meet him at that altar and we must be as serious and real as God is at this altar I remember brother Clendenin years ago and he was he was praying and he had a deacon in his church that was just a man of God. He said, I'd go to that deacon and I, he said, I need prayer. You know, the Bible even says that. You got something that you need an answer for. Go to that prayer warrior in the church that nobody knows. Nobody takes any, you know, they don't, they don't notice them. I can tell you there's people that pray that nobody notices. Okay? But he said, I went to that old deacon and I'd say, you know... Uh, let's let's pray. Would you pray with me? And he said, that deacon would pray. And he said, I learned something from that deacon. You know, I said, how do you, you know, enter into the presence of God with such fervency and such fire and such anointing? When you begin to speak, you can feel the grace of God. I remember when we were at the Adullam house and, pa and Pastor Pete Spackman began to pray and Becky was in that circle. She said, "Woo, that guy can pray. I said, I know. He can pray. He's got a real anointing upon his life to pray. 
And uh, but she said that, and there's people that just have gotten a hold of God. They know the the value of an altar. They know the power of an altar. And he said that old deacon, brother Clinton. He said that old deacon began to pray. He said, how do you, you know, engage in prayer like that? He said, you don't just go up to somebody and just offer a petition. You don't just go up and say, hey, I, I want this. He said, we're talking to God. He said, I go in there and I begin to thank Him. I begin to praise Him. I begin to tell God how much I love Him, how much I esteem Him, how much I worship Him, what He's done for me. He said, we have a conversation. Amen? We have a conversation. My kids never came up to me and said, Dad, hand it over. They'd come up and say, hey, big guy. need a favor man you preach well last week <laughs> well, I'm telling you man I'm telling you boy I thought it was just going to take off they would come they'd sit down with me and give me that time you know I mean how can you say no to that what do you need well since you've asked. <laughs> Kyle used to come and say, I can get by with $5. And I said one time in front of them all, I said, you know, funny thing is, I said, you know, I said, you should always ask big. You asked for five, you got five. Well, Cameron picked up on that. How much do you need? Oh, I don't think I could do it for less than 50, Dad. <laughs> 50? How about 40? <laughs> I said, how about 25? That's good. Amen. He needed five. So <laughs> you just have to know how to approach God. And I'm not talking that God's like Santa Claus or some genie you rub. What I'm saying is that you approach God in prayer the right way. The right way. I know we come boldly before the throne of grace, but I have found that God begins to rend open the heavens as we rejoice in Him answering the prayer together. <laughs> Amen. Whenever I'm worshiping Him and He's answering that prayer, we're doing this together. It's an awesome thing. It's beautiful. But there are great consequences when we don't fear God at His altar. Nadab and Abihu were drunk and they offered strange fire. In other words, they kindled it with their own fire, I believe, because God would answer that sacrifice and receive it by fire and they would take that fire and they would light that altar and it was to continue to be perpetually lit you didn't let that fire go out you couldn't start your own new fire you had to you had to continue with the fire that was already there there's one original fire of the holy ghost are you hearing me there's one original but then there's what other people have started 
But then there's that which God has generated. And they profaned the altar, which means they treated it with irreverence and contempt and abuse. They debased it as an unworthy uh, thing of respect. But there is a fire at an altar. Gideon saw fire come down and lick up that altar, that sacrifice. uh, Samson's father uh, began to see that as well. Elijah saw God answer by fire. So God answers by fire. There's an answer where God says, I approve of this sacrifice or I'm going to do what I said and what you've requested that I do. Strange fire is a false fire. I remember my dad, the Lord reminded me of this. We had went on a Friday night or maybe it was a Thursday night to a lady's house that went to my dad's church and her daughter or granddaughter, we went in there, she was going through a lot of things and we walked in and my dad said, now son, we were at the front door, he said, son, he said, I want to tell you something, here's an 18 year old kid, maybe 19 years old, I was, didn't know nothing about nothing. He said, son, now I don't know what we're going to encounter when we walk through these doors. He said, I just feel in my spirit that there's something dark going on here in this lady. So I said, okay, I'm following your lead. So we went in there. and My dad sat down and he said, ma'am. And she started crying, mama. And she leaned over and grabbed on her mother and started screaming and crying. My dad looked. We prayed for her. We prayed for her and we left. But the, 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 the Lord was beginning to deal with her and beginning to get to the root of something in her life. And she wasn't willing to give that up and relinquish that. And so my, my, my dad was a very uh, smart, spiritually smart, smart man. He was very, had a lot of wisdom, I should say. And, and he said, you know what? I'm not going to deal with that till she's ready to be free. I'm not going to get in the floor for three hours and try to cast the devil out of her and for her to go back to the things she's been going to anyway. He said, when God, when she's ready to surrender her life and get right, like that demoniac of Gadara ran to Jesus, he said, then we'll pray. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because it's been, you know, 30 years ago. But I remember us doing that. And then it was a Saturday night uh, rally or a fellowship meeting we had in the Pentecostal Church of God. And I believe it was at our church. Well, she came with her mother. And there was some guy there. And he didn't discern nothing. He's up there. Oh, God's filling her with the Holy Ghost. And my dad's looking at me. He said, no, he is not. That woman there is oppressed, got a devil in her. You know, but he's dead down there not discerning that I can tell you a real fire knows knows doesn't play amen there is a strange fire and you and I have to know the real to know the fake and the counterfeit Saul sacrificed on the altar in a profane presumption That's what he did. Samuel told him, why didn't you wait? You should have waited. Well, the people. He said, let me tell you something right now. To obey is better than sacrifice. You should have waited. You're not a priest. You should have waited. The Pharisee and the publican of Luke 18, 10-14 was at an altar of pride and he said, I'm so glad I'm not like him. The Pharisee said, I'm so glad I'm not like him. I pay my tithe. I fast twice a week, I do this, I do that, I pray, I'm holy, I'm righteous. I'm not like him, thank God. And the publican who was a tax collector is over there beating on his chest, saying, oh wretched man that I am. 
My God, save me. One went down and received something. The other went down the same way he came up. There is an altar of pride. There's an altar of profaned presumption. There's an altar that is profaned like with Nadab and Abihu. So there is a wrong approach and a mindset or an attitude to an altar. Don't make common an altar. Don't make light of an altar. Now you say, but Zacchaeus, there's things said about him that would not, you know, would not infer that he was profaning the altar. I'm not saying that he is, but I'm telling you there are many people that are Christians, that are walking with God, that are, that are trying to live righteous or living righteous. And they go to that altar, and what they do is they go through the motions of that altar, but they do not get and receive what they could from the power of that institution of that altar. Because they come in doubt. They come in unbelief. Zacchaeus had a pure heart, but doubt at the altar. Because he questioned what God spoke to him as a promise. How many in here at times you've read the word of God. And he has spoken to you through the word of God. But you doubted the promise of God. If I've done it, I know you have done it. We've all done it where we said, you know, I know what the word of God says. Right there you need to stop. You're already setting yourself up for unbelief, saying, I know what the Word of God says. My goodness, if somebody tells you, God, I'm trusting God to heal my body. Uh, you know, I, we use this all the time, and people say it all the time. And they say, well, you know, but God tells us we need to use wisdom. Let me tell you something. You and I must know today, if God put in somebody's heart to trust Him, leave them alone. If they're in so much pain that they can't stand it, they'll do what they have to do to go to get relief. But in the meantime, don't you or me or anybody else try to discourage them from what they're believing God to do. Amen. Trust God. And don't rob anybody of their faith because you're a doubter. We are living in an antichrist vacuum. Set out to suck the life of God's spirit from us. Becky said it this morning. I thought, Becky, you better hold on now. But she's going on. I said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Set it up for me, sis. Set it up. Praise God. It's all right. She's anointed. When you're anointed and you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're flowing with the spirit that's flowing. Praise God. But we're living in an antichrist vacuum that's set out to suck the life of God's spirit from us. Thus why we cannot neglect the altar. And I quoted Psalms 43 this Thursday. It's a beautiful psalm. A powerful instruction. Just five simple verses in the book of Psalms chapter 43. I want you to turn there with me because I want you to read it. Some people this morning need to hear this psalm. Would you just turn there with me and read it with me? In Psalms 43, David is praying because he's in a situation where everything is against him. And he said, oh God, judge me. I'd rather God judge me than be judged by a world. But judge me, oh God. Plead my cause against an ungodly nation and deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. We're living in an antichrist age where there's unjustness going on. 
where there's a nation that has forgotten God that's going on, where there's a nation that's ungodly that we're living in the midst of it. Lot was vexed with the spirit in Sodom. He said, for thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? In the midst of his prayer or his proclamation, he begins to realize God's my strength. You know, truly faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God or speaking the word of God. And he says, oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. You see as he begins to pray and speak and begin to cry out to God all the goodness and all. He begins to recognize one more time his, his father, his almighty God. And he goes on to say, send out your light. Then will I go unto the altar of God and unto my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O oh my God. You know, we're down in the dumps sometimes. We're at an altar sometimes or we're, we're not at that altar but we're down and discouraged and depressed but God is saying to you begin to speak life begin to quote the scripture I cannot tell you how many times that I have been there at that lowest moment and God said quote the scripture quote the scripture quote the scripture because it's God speaking to you one more time this is what I've written by my stripes you are healed amen my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory he said fear not I am with you amen I'll give you peace that passes all understanding everything you read in the word my God always causes me to triumph thanks be to God who giveth me the victory giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll quote it right. It's us. Go back to his word. David's going back and he's reminiscing the word. He's quoting what he knows in his prayer. He said, lead me. Then I'll go to that altar of God. Which is my joy. Ain't no joy out there in that world. Nothing. 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 You can, you can be excited and joyful, have something good happening. You can get your paycheck on Friday and think, thank you, Jesus, I got a raise. And then go to the grocery store and realize you didn't. I heard an economist say, every $100 you make, $20 is what it costs now more to the $100 that you make. In other words, when you lump it all together, I saw a guy the other day, paper towels and trash bags. And I said, when did trash bags, that small of a box, become $15? Amen. When did they become, when did, you know, all of this, you see this and you're like, my goodness. Looks like we're not eating much meat this week. That's all right. Beans and rice are more filling. Spaghetti. <laughs> that was a little scary, amen. <laughs> he said, Then will I go unto the altar of God, my exceeding joy, yea, upon the harp will I praise thee. 
I'll pick up my instrument of worship and I will praise you. And he says, you know what I just realized? Soul, why are you cast down? Because you know, you have a spirit and you have a soul and you have a body. And the flesh wants to do what it wants to do. It's just a manifestation of what you tell it to do. Your soul is that thing which is your eternal title, if you will. Everything, it's that, that, eternal, that eternal soul that God put within you. But that soul can operate in the soulish or it can operate in the spirit. And your spirit, man, is that which is in you that says, you know what, I'm going to serve God. And soul and body, you're coming along with me. That's why you got to walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You'll not fulfill the lust of the soul or the desire of the soul and of the heart. But reading this, I was so encouraged. It's powerful instruction for a discouraged believer that he will lead us to a powerful altar that raises our countenance. I love this because he says at the end, Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance. God wants to lift up your spiritual countenance. Put a smile on your face. Put joy in your heart. Amen. Make you realize that He's bigger than anxiety, bigger than depression, bigger than the answer that you haven't seen yet, bigger than the lies the devil has told you, bigger than the persecution, bigger than the sadness and the sorrow. He's bigger than all the giants that come across your path. He'll give you health in your countenance. I'm moving on here. Oh, Zacchaeus is doubting God's word at the most cataclysmic time in biblical history. Think about it. Jesus is getting ready to be born. The very forerunner is going to come from Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth. We must keep the fire of the altar hot. We need the Holy Ghost fire because God is going to operate and move through what we see and accomplished in the altar. It was Brother Schutz. He was he pastored a church. He doesn't pastor it anymore, but hey, he run like a thousand people. And when you walked in there, I never heard one person ever tell me as a dead church. No. The exact opposite. They said, full of the Holy Ghost. And they said, that is all a result of what that man has done in fasting and prayer. And he has deposited that into that church. He's taught them that. He's imparted that to them. Amen. Life to pray. I don't have the whole church here on Tuesday night for prayer, but I'm still praying and promoting prayer. I'm still telling you today that this altar is where everything is accomplished. At your house and here, not just Tuesday. That's just a corporate prayer where we come together. Sundays and Thursdays are our time to worship and to learn the Word of God. Tuesday we have Bible study where we learn the Word of God. But the church is supposed to be a house of prayer. We're supposed to be at prayer. should be the most highly attended service or function that we have. But it's not. People look at that and they say, you know what? I can miss prayer tonight. Do you realize that everything hinges upon that altar? Everything. Everything. I'm going to share with you, there are people in this church 
that prayed at an altar until God opened the door for them to have a house. In, a, in, a, in a, an economy where everybody's lining up for the same house, where 50 people are picking up the phone the day that the, the, the for rent sign or the for sale sign goes in the ground, but mostly the for rent sign, they're calling immediately because of the shortage of the places to have. But God moved in two different families in this church, three different families in this church. Mamas will pray and seek the face of God in an old-fashioned altar till their prodigals come home. Do you hear me? They will pray and they will pray and they will pray and they will pray. The reason that their prodigals are home is because they got on their face and God said, I cannot close my ears to the cry at that altar of that woman that's crying out to God. I cannot close my ears to Hannah that's saying, God, give me a man-child. We must understand this. It doesn't, if it doesn't stay on fire, the altar, worship becomes common. Worship becomes common. Then you start criticizing the songs we're singing. I don't like it. I said, there's a lot of things I don't like either. But it's not about us. When did the worship service ever become about people? It's about God. Zacchaeus was a priest in chapter 1, verse 5. Let me go back there. I'm hurrying, folks. Zacharias, I've called him everything but what he is. Sorry. Almost called him Zephaniah. Amen. Zacharias. Zach. He was a priest in verse 5. Verse 6. Him and his wife both kept the commandments. They were blameless. Can you imagine that? Blameless. They remained righteous before God. Yet, they were barren and old. You know, when you're young and, you, and you're barren, you know that there's hope. But when you're older, you think, you know, at the age that they were at, and Sarah and Abraham, you can understand why they're, they're laughing. You know, I mean, this is just... <laughs> you know, but God specializes in the impossible. Amen. Amen. My kids are always teasing Angela and I and saying, we're going to have another baby. And I'm just like, that's impossible. One day God said, don't say that. <laughs> you better just watch what you say. Because I'm telling you what, if I could bring... A baby through, I know Sister Skiles is shaking her head, and I'm not wanting, I'm not wanting to walk down a graduation at 80, okay? I'm just telling you right now. But do not for one second think that God can't do it. 
at a hundred years of age. And so stop praying that way, amen, because we, we love our grandkids, amen, amen. That's where it needs to start right there, but praise the Lord, amen. We want to rock the grandbabies and then send them home. I said to Charlotte, she was at my house, ladies had their meeting Friday night, and we were sitting at the table, and her dad went and got us something to eat, we're sitting there, and uh, he said, do you want a soda? I said, don't, don't, don't bring me into that out there, I can't have the sugar, and she said, mama says no soda. I mean emphatically. She was like, Mama says no soda. I said, how about candy? Mama says no candy. I said, I loaded the gospel gun. I said, how about gummies? She was hoping Mama didn't say that. I said, well, Grandpa doesn't have any gummies here for you to eat. Not that you can have, amen. But mama said no soda. I can tell you, I'm thankful, amen, that our kids are listening. They're being obedient. They're being obedient. But to see those grandkids come and just to love them and just to have a wonderful time with them, they wear you out. And then you're like, praise the Lord, I can go to bed, amen. I'm like this. Yes, Charlotte, hold on. Hold on, Lily. I'm trying to put a bed together and everything else. Can you turn this on? Yes. I need almond milk. Okay. I thought, you're like, anyway, I got sidetracked here. They were barren. They were barren. It's one thing to be to be barren. Another not to see it healed or reversed. We got to get so tired and done with an altar with no fruit and no power and no answer. There's power at that altar. But it didn't happen the first time, Pastor. Come back to that altar. Didn't happen the third time. Come back to that altar. Didn't happen the fourth time. Come back to that altar. I'm going to tell you, you want to know about an altar? Go ask Noemi. You want to know about an altar? Go ask Mama Andrea. You want to know about an altar? Go ask Lorenzo and Amber. Go ask people that have just went through a time where they had to believe God for a miracle. Amen. You want to know what it is to be in an altar? I can tell you, I saw them in an altar week by week, day by day. I watched them in this place. And I remember on a Tuesday night, this was a month or so ago, Lorenzo was down here and I'm praying over him I felt so bad and he came over and I prayed over him and he looked up at me and he said pastor God is going to do it he's going to do it I said amen praise God I was wanting to encourage you but you're already encouraged God is going to do it I didn't doubt him at that altar I'm trusting him at that altar. I had to take all the emotions and fears and everything and push it to the side because the devil wants me discouraged, but God spoke to me again. I'm going to do it. There's power in that altar. Yeah. 
And we got to get so tired and done with an altar with no fruit and no power and no answer. And I'm telling you, Hannah refused to quit. Nothing like a mother's prayer. And she wasn't even a mama yet. But she prayed in faith and desperation. There is a death. Church, let me tell you, you don't hear anything else I say. There is a cry of desperation. God hears. Some of you have testimonies of that. I remember when Delia's mom was in the hospital. She had that aneurysm. Most statistically people that go through that never make it out alive. I can tell you she wasn't giving up. She was not giving up. Um, my mom will live and not die. And she held on to the promise of God. And her mama's still here today. Amen. Because people prayed, but a daughter prayed. Children prayed. I know a lot of people prayed. I didn't see everybody that was there, so I'm not, I don't want anybody to get offended with me. But I know that she was crying out to God and getting a hold of God. Amen. Nobody will pray like that person that has that desperate cry. What we don't realize is the making of a testimony is what's happening. Really the making of a man or woman of God in prayer. <laughs> it's when God's will collides with our desperation. In the miracle manifestation in power. It's time we be through with an unanointed, uninspired, uncreative, revelationless life. Don't approach the altar doubting, but expecting God to answer. You're responsible to pray the prayer and sow the seed in prayer and faith. God's responsible to answer on His time. On His time. And, and, and the longer you wait, the, the greater and sweeter is the victory. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Be prepared to say, yes, Lord. Amen, Lord. I receive it, Lord. And not like Zacharias did here and say, how will this happen? Or how can I be certain or sure this will happen? No. Just say, yes, Lord, I receive it. I receive it in Jesus' name. I receive it. Oh, my. Surely the presence of the Lord was there, and he didn't even recognize it like Jacob don't question God's word or his messenger. Believe for it. Trust him for it. Claim that, that, claim that God promised that he's promised you and don't question it. Years ago, I, I, I come out of a, a service and I was there with the pastor's wife. And we were all eating there and there was an evangelist that came out. And he was actually ministering at another neighboring church. But he was there and I had heard about him. And he's a great piano organist and just a great evangelist that they said I didn't know. But I went over and I met him and I said I would love to be able to play the piano. I couldn't play the piano. I could just kind of tinkle, tinkle, you know, but nothing serious. I couldn't play, just, you know, chop sticks or something like that and I just remember he grabbed my hands and he said we're going to pray he said give me your hands I said I never had anybody do that to me he grabbed my hands and he said father he said this man has a heart to, to worship 
And he has a desire to play. And he said, I'm asking you to grant him the ability to be able to play. He prayed and I said, thank you. I told the pastor's wife where I was going and it wasn't living waters. Amen. I want to clarify that. And I said, this is what he prayed. And she said, I can tell you right now. That don't mean nothing if you don't practice and you don't give yourself. She said, nobody just, nobody just learns like that. You have to. And I thought, wow. <laughs> One day I sat down at Grandma Jeannie's honky-tonk piano. And I said, God, you can give me the ability to do this. Whatever it is that you des- a desire in your heart, rather, that you desire to do for God, believe for it. Trust Him. Amen. If your heart is for ministry, your heart is to be used in a specific capacity, God will make a way. A man's gift makes room for him, brings him before great men. He'll open up the door and make it possible. John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, He was a godly man. He was a man of prayer. But he was a man who came to the altar and he didn't realize the power of that place. When God speaks something to you, don't doubt it. If he spoke to you this morning and he said, Husband, that wife may not want to have anything to do with you. She may not want to be with you anymore. But if you believe God, that's your heart. God can change that thing. He can change that thing. He can turn that around. He can turn it around. He can make and put in that heart a love that, that was, I remember Aunt Maida told me, she said, I was on my way to the divorce court with papers in my hand. She said, I was done with Chuck. I was divorcing him. I was done. I had papers in my hand. And she said, before I got to that courthouse, the Holy Ghost stopped me and said, Maida, don't do that. Don't do that. She said, but Lord, I don't love him. I don't want to be married to him. He said, I can put love back in that heart. I can put love back in that heart. Amen. I can, I can bring him to love you again. And he, she, he said, you know, I love you. She said, yeah, but you're God and I'm not. I want to tell you something. The same love that's in God he puts in us. And he gives us that same, the very grace and the spirit of God didn't come from you. It's not you. It's not your power. It's not your ability. It's not something you can do on your own. It's something God has to give you. Everything that we have that makes us God-like came from God. Everything. Amen. You can't do it on your own. You can't surrender your life. God has to put that in you to come to that altar in faith and surrender unto Him. You can't love somebody that's hard to love. God gives you that love. You can't forgive people whenever you don't want to forgive them. God has to give you that grace and His Spirit to forgive and the power there is power at this altar and everything is accomplished at that altar God begins to move in our life oh so don't question God believe God 
What are the consequences of an altar doubter? He was stricken dumb. He could not testify. Satan wants us silent. Not shouting, not praising, not sharing testimonies, not able to speak. We will not speak until what comes forth fulfills God's eternal plan and will. But when you begin to believe God, you will speak. I remember the first time I was in the CRC and we cast the devil out of that man. I was there by myself. Me and a guy playing mariachi praise music. And we're down there in that, in that front aisle. We're cast the devil out of that guy in 30 seconds. God set him free. I've never seen a man set free that quick. Boom, just like that. Because I said, Lord, I don't have but three minutes with this guy. I don't have an hour to sit here and roll around on the floor with him. Besides, this is my first time ever doing this, God. I mean, I've been over there standing over going, Come out, devil, while Pastor Duke's over there casting him out. It's really easy whenever you're 25 feet away and there's a bunch of people around him and you're going, come out! Come out! But I said, it's just me by my lonesome here with somebody I don't even know his name and I didn't even think he was saved. Don't judge a book by his cover. God set that man free. I drove home. I was like, my goodness, what just happened? I'm telling you, that devil was sitting in that seat. I felt the hair go up on the back of my neck. I thought, Ooh. I'm driving on Carbon Canyon. I thought, Lord, just look straight ahead. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, the devil don't give up easy. You may have set somebody free, but he's going to come and intimidate you. And so you better have your tools and your skill set and know what you got to do. And so I began to bind the enemy. I said, I plead the blood right now. This is God's card, not yours. Get out. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. I'm shouting. Oh, it reaches to the highest mountain. I'm binding the enemy. I can tell you by the time I got to La Habra, he was gone. You live and you learn, but you go through things and you experience things. And, and, and you've got to know that the enemy will keep you silent and you won't have a testimony till God does something through you that you believed him for. It's always been there, but you, it hadn't come out yet. It hasn't issued from you yet. It hasn't flowed from you yet. But now I can stand and say, I know that God's a delivering God. I know that He will deliver the oppressed and deliver the possessed. And He'll deliver you and set you free. He'll save you at an old-fashioned altar. There's power in that altar. But we will see the testimony come forth as God begins to speak through us. He said, His name shall be called John. Gift from God. Church, we've got to get this or else the promised power and manifestation of God's will remains locked up. And faith at the altar releases so much and will do the same for you too. Maybe what you need to release is the past or the part rather of the answer that you play. There are people in here you are not believing God for a miracle. Somebody else is believing God for a miracle, but you're part of bringing that miracle to pass. Mm. 
Amen. They have a need. You have a resource. They're praying and believing God. And he said, I'm telling you right now, he places it on your heart. You can help make that happen. Or you can sit there and God will choose somebody else. If he can't use you, he'll use somebody else. Church, I'm going to tell you, we hold on to our resources like we're going to take them with us. But what I have found is whenever you release it, God always gives you more. Amen. Always. 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 Brother Talbert, I'm sharing someone close. Brother Talbert, back in 2001, we had just started the church. We had about 750 in missions to give to missions. I don't even know if we had it in missions. We just had it in the general fund. And it was generally pretty low. But he came in there and preached. Preached to us about the Philippines. How he's got all these village preachers that they'd love to go preach, but they don't have a bicycle. They don't have a motorcycle. Said, but for $7.50, we can get these Chinese motorcycles, these mopeds, and said, we can, we can, you know, if we could just get, you know, some of these motorcycles, they can get around and they can preach in these remote areas that American preachers can't get to. Sister Skiles and I looked at each other, and we always believed in giving admissions. So I said, $7.50. Let's give it. So we gave $750. Brother Talbert took that, and he bought that motorcycle, and he wrote in his newsletter. He said, New Life Church of La Habra not only was the first one to buy one of those motorcycles, but they spearheaded. I said, spearheaded? I didn't even know that was a word. Spearheaded a movement in our circle of preachers. And we have had 30 or 40 or 50 of these bicycles bought. And he said, came to the church and he said, the reason that that happened is because this church gave to that. Not to say look at us, but I was like, I was just thinking we're buying a motorcycle. I didn't know that it was going to be a cascade effect, a domino effect of God using that to cause other people to catch the vision. Amen. Folks, I'm telling you today, we've got to believe God. There's power at that altar. What do you need? What are you going through? If you're not saved today, there's power at that altar to save you. If you're going through the hardest time of your life, there's power in that altar. Power with God. Marriage. Power. You know, but people sit. They don't even come to the altar. They don't even get up and come down to the resource and the, the place where they can meet with God. Amen. I want Lupe to come. We're going to bow our heads in prayer. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Church, just stay in the attitude of prayer here for a minute. Lupe, would you come, sis? I appreciate you. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Mighty God, mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Come on, sis. You sing that song, play that song, rather, There is a River. And I just heard from heaven. 
Jesus. You're here this morning. There's an altar here for you. God's dealing. He's saying this is where it's at right here. Come on, church. If you're here today and you're not where you need to be with God, today is your day. What is it that you need? What is your dilemma? What is your problem? What is your struggle? What is it that you're dealing with this morning? Jesus, Jesus.